predict, pick, and prevail in your fantasy football leagues with Nick Giacobbe and Nick Cap. From breakouts to busts, superstars to sleepers, these are the guys that will help you achieve fantasy glory. This is the Primetime Fantasy Podcast. Welcome everybody to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Primetime Fantasy Podcast, where we give you our picks, our predictions, with the hopes that we help you prevail throughout the 2022 fantasy football season. I am your host, Nick Giacobbe, and joining me is Nick Cap. Nick, we've had a full offseason. We've had a full five, six months without NFL football. It's July. We're excited. We are ready for some fantasy football. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's been too long. I've, I've been itching to get this podcast back. Um, Nick and I, we love we love football. We love fantasy football. And it's been a, it's been a long uh, time. It's a love-hate relationship football. between yes, football and fantasy that, football. Yes, it's the biggest love-hate relationship in all of sports is fantasy football. But we're excited. We're very we're, excited to be where We're pumped. We're real pumped. Um, we're going to do a couple little introductions just in case you haven't listened to us. We'll introduce ourselves, talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to also make the show a little bit shorter. We'll talk about the format of the show. I'll do that in a second. Uh, it's going to be about 30 minutes. We got one to two segments for today. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of off-season recap, and a lot of stuff to kind of get you pumped up for your fantasy draft. I know it's time to start mocking. It's time to start reading the board and getting ready for all good things to come. First off is our plugs. If you want to find us, you can find us on social media, and please do. Primetime FF Pod. That's going to be on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, we have a Facebook page, Primetime Fantasy Podcast, and a YouTube channel, Primetime Fantasy Podcast. That's one way that you can watch us. Please follow us, subscribe, like us, comment, all that other fun stuff on our social media channels. We appreciate that. If you want to watch and listen to the show, please do. You can watch us on YouTube, Primetime Fantasy Podcast. Then you can find us on all podcasting platforms, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, anywhere where you can find a podcast, you could probably find the Primetime Fantasy Podcast. And if you can't, let us know. We'll get you on whatever platform you want to listen on. Last week, last year, I should say, we were doing three shows. We were doing Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. We're doing about an hour each episode. The Sundays were live. We're going to switch that up a little bit. This season, we're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Each episode is going to be just about 20 to 30 minutes. We're going to give you the stuff that you need to know. One car ride, one little listen. It's going to be nice and easy, short and sweet to the point. Mondays will have a, re uh, a recap from the weekend. We're also going to have a Monday night football talk. Tuesdays will have your waiver wire ready for you. Thursdays, a preview for Thursday night football. And Fridays to get you right into the weekend. For Sundays, we're going to switch it up again. We're going to do 8.30 a.m. Eastern time every Sunday. The time could change, but we're not going to do 11 like we did last year. I know that um, the uh, the um, the injury report does come out around that time, but you're probably watching SportsCenter. You're probably watching NFL Fantasy Live. You're, you're probably watching something else, and we want to give you something to watch right when you wake up. So if you're with us, we can answer your questions live on Sundays. Um, if not, you can watch the replay and ask us questions on Twitter, Instagram, too, uh, as well. But obviously, we're not doing a Sunday show um, up until about September. For now, we're going to try to do one or two shows a week going into uh, the season. I know it's July. It's a little bit early, so we don't want to bombard you with too much. So one or two shows a week at least is guaranteed from us. So, Nick, if you want to comment on any of that, I'll give you the floor at the moment. No, you're good. Let's go. All Let's right. get this running. Nick, I've been talking for a minute, so I'm going to let you reintroduce yourself, talk about fantasy, talk about your success, talk about what you're looking forward to this season, do a rant, whatever you want. What's going on? I'm Nick Cap. 
Uh, I buy and sell sports cards for a living. So as you can imagine, I am heavily invested in football and fantasy football. I'm riding waves of hot players and selling, selling high on those guys and buying guys when they're at their all-time low. It's exactly what you do in fantasy football. You try and get those guys later rounds that you think are going to be your breakouts. And you try and avoid those guys at the top that you think are going to be those busts. I've been playing fantasy football for about a decade now. Um, been in the league with Nick for what has it been six years? I want to say, I think we're on seven. I want to say seven. So Nick and I have been going for a long time, been best friends since we were like three, four years old. Um, been about 20 years of friendship right there. Um, and about seven years of rivalry, but we'll, we'll, we'll put our issues on the fantasy football and the ESPN app to the side for this podcast to give you guys the best content. Well, I am Nick Giacobbe. I have a degree from the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, so I could kind of do this stuff, kind of, kind of not. Um, they did a great job over there, though. Um, I love sports. I love football. I love fantasy football, just like Nick. I've been doing this for about a decade. I've won a couple championships. Uh, last year was my most successful fantasy year, so I'm going to brag about that because I didn't get to do that yet. Um, I won my Dynasty League. All of you doubted me. All of you said I didn't win the points, but too bad. I won. I'm going to have the trophy, and I'm going to I'm gonna love it. I'm going to love it. I rode Jonathan Taylor. Um, he's my dude. He was my dude last year, so real happy about that. Jonathan Taylor was on all four of my teams, so there's one championship there. I won the points in me and Nick's league, not the championship, but it brings home a nice pot. Still think I had the most points, so there you go. Um, and I did win. The Star Wars Autograph Universe Championship in the inaugural season, um, and this was my trophy. It is an autograph from uh, the armor from the Mandalorian, and it says Star Wars Autograph Universe 2021 Fantasy Football Champion. This is the way. That's pretty cool. Um, so very successful fantasy season uh, from me, hoping to bring that into this year as well. I'm also, unfortunately, a Seattle Seahawks fan, and we are going to talk about that, and you may get a rant. Um, so... Let's get right into it. Some off-season acquisitions. We're going to go through just about the biggest moves of the off-season quarterbacks, receivers for the most part. And we're going to tell you who the biggest fantasy benefactor was from each off-season move. So we are going to start things off with one I don't want to talk about. Um, Russell Wilson traded to the Denver Broncos for Drew Luck, Noah Fant, multiple picks, including two first-rounders. Um Nick, I'm going to let you take this first because I've been talking for a minute and I'm going to need to catch my breath. So who's the biggest fantasy benefactor from this Russell Wilson trade? All right. So there's two guys that to me are clearly going to be winners. Um, one of them I have a lot higher than the other, though. Um, it's Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, the two wide receiver ones, you could say, for the Denver Broncos. I think Cortland Sutton emerges as the wide receiver one over there. Jerry Judy with the drop issues. Nathaniel Hackett comes from the Aaron Rodgers system. Um, and from that team, I don't think he's going to like any drops or things of that nature. I know you could blame a lot of it on Drew Locke, but I do think Cortland Sutton will be their guy moving forward. And when you look at the formula for the over the last two years of elite receivers or elite receiving talent that pairs up with veteran quarterbacks, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup. Those are two guys right there that they got their veteran, they got their good quarterback, and they emerged and soared as wide receiver one. I think they both finished in between the top three receivers in the, each of the past two years. I think Cortland Sutton is that guy this year that really takes that big step up from having Russell Wilson there. So he's my biggest uh, – he gets my biggest bump from getting Russell that Russell Wilson transaction. 
I think you're right on that. I think you're right on both receivers that are probably going to be uh, the biggest winners. I'm going to give you one more. Um, I'm going to go with the Seattle running back tree. I'm going to go with Rashad Penny, and I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. Seattle took Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State in round two. Rashad Penny had an electric last six-game stretch last year, probably helped win a couple fantasy championships. This is what Pete Carroll wanted. He wants to run the ball. I don't agree with it. Stop running the fucking ball. But you know what? He's going to get what he wants. He's going to run Rashad Penny. He's going to run uh, Kenneth Walker. You may see a bit of uh, committee at first, and I think he's going to start with Penny. So if you're, dra- I would draft Penny early, but if you're in a dynasty league, Kenneth Walker may be a guy you want to scoop up in the later rounds. Um, and we'll see what these running backs can do. But I think they're going to be benefactors because they're going to have to run the ball a lot. If they want to try to win three or four games this year, which is the ceiling, they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to try to keep the ball out of the hands of the teams that they're facing, like the entire AFC West, the entire NFC West. Like They're playing some real high-powered offense this year. They're going to have to run the ball. I think the running backs are both going to benefit from it. The biggest loser, Nick, I'm going to steal this one from you. DK Metcalf. You're fucked. It's DK Metcalf was probably drafted in the top 20 in all leagues last year, whether it was dynasty redraft or whatever it was. This guy's had a thousand yards. I think in back-to-back seasons, his sophomore season, a third year season, he's looking for a big contract. I still think he's a big time player, but you're going from Russell Wilson to drew lock. I want no part of the Seahawks offense. Tyler Lockett, People are going to roster him. I just traded for him in Dynasty because I traded like a seventh-round pick, which is really around 19. I'm not sure Lockett's rosterable um, outside the bubble. But after week six, I don't know. And as for DK Metcalf, how playable is he? They're both screwed. They're both screwed. Bottom line, they're the biggest losers of this trade by a mile. Yeah, I I completely agree. I I think um, I'll I'll pull up where their ADP is um, this year, but – I know I Metcalf's like round four or five. It's pretty high. Yeah, that, that, like that's round extremely eight or nine. high. Um, the one thing I will give them is they are a clock management team and they are going to be playing from behind in most of the season. So you will definitely see a ramp up in the amount of throws that'll be happening. But with Drew Locke or Geno Smith at quarterback, I mean, they're not going to be accurate. They're not going to be able to get you that 40-yard um, pass that's going to break open the game like like Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson had that chemistry or DK and Russell Wilson had that chemistry. So you're going to see early flaws with those two receivers and there's no quarterback they could trade for. Baker was my, my biggest prediction that Seattle would go out there and get, there was rumors a few years ago that they wanted to trade Russell Wilson to Cleveland to go get Baker. And they, they didn't pull the trigger for a condition. And if, 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 if they get Baker, I'm drafting DK in round like three or four at least. Like I'm still yeah, taking him. Exactly. Then they could deliver on the ADP. But with Drew Locke, I, I don't think it's possible. You didn't see Cortland Sutton succeed. You didn't see Jerry Judy succeed. And as in my opinion, Lockett and Metcalf are more talented than the two of them. And just going in that that downward trajectory of quarterback, they're right at where their ADP was last year. There's There's no way they can deliver on it. Nope. All right, next move. Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. Um, The Atlanta Falcons have Marcus Mariota and uh, Desmond Riddler fighting for quarterback. They also drafted Drake London in the first round. Biggest winner and loser of this trade? My biggest winner is going to be, shockingly, Kyle Pitts. I think that the Atlanta Falcons are going to be forced to throw that ball and Kyle Pitts' ADP right now projects him to have two and a half touchdowns. 
He had one touchdown last year overseas. I know Matt Ryan was a much better quarterback than either of these two, but they're going to have to force the ball down Kyle Pitts' throat. Russell Gage is out of there. Matt Ryan's out of there. They drafted another running back. They have London, who they'll try and develop. But Kyle Pitts is the only veteran that's really on that team Um, outside of Mariota. I think Pitts is going to see a ton of workload. He's really going to have to be the leader of that offense. I think he's going to deliver. I think he's going to have a huge season. I'm going to need you and all my league mates to uh, to pause this pod. Not pause. You need to mute this podcast. You can't hear what I'm about to say. Michael Pittman is going to explode this year. Um, he had 1,000 yards last year. He had six touchdowns um, on 88 receptions. Matt Ryan, in his entire career, has had over 4,000 yards, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Last year he was at uh, 3,968. So almost like 11, 12 times he's thrown over 4,000 yards. Michael Pittman is going to have over 1,200 yards, and he's going to have – what did he have last year? Uh, six touchdowns. He's going to have eight touchdowns. He had 88 receptions. He's guaranteed 100 receptions plus this year, as, l- as long as he's healthy. I think his ADP is around four or five right now. You're going to want to take him in the third, end of third, early fourth. You're going to want Michael Pittman on your team. I think he could be a league winner this year. He's faced off against the Jags twice a year, the Texans twice a year. Like, you're asking the, the Titans had a terrible secondary last year. That's six games right there. He's getting you a hundred yards and a touchdown. That's like one third of the games. Michael Pittman is the biggest winner in this scenario. Uh, I'm going to fire back at you, Nick. I think the biggest loser actually is Kyle Pitts. Cause it's the same situation as Seattle. I don't trust Marcus Mariota throwing the ball. I don't trust either of these quarterbacks throwing the ball. I think Pitts will have a fine year but I don't think he's going to have the the blown up tight end year that we think he could. I think your top five tight ends doesn't have Kyle Pitts in it by the end of this year. And it's because of the quarterback situation. I like having Matt Ryan over there. I don't like the situation that they have now. So Kyle Pitts for me is going to be the biggest loser. I'm going to make a really bold take that I don't think a lot of people are going to want to hear, especially from the guy that said he would finish as the RB one last year. Jonathan Taylor is hurt by having Matt Ryan as quarterback because it's going to be nearly impossible for him to finish as the RB one at the end of the year. When Matt Ryan has been such a consistent passer where they Frank Reich is going to trust him passing the ball. Jonathan Taylor saw a ton of workload last year and Matt Ryan's going to take away from it. He, he does not historically pass to the running back outside of Cordell Patterson last year. Um, the run, the running game in Atlanta, his entire career has been up and down and there's been really no model for consistency where you can say now that he gets the running back or the quarterback that's reliable, he's going to have an even higher ceiling than he had. It usually you see the opposite. You see an average quarterback deliver the RB one. Take a look at the last three years, Drew Brees with his weak arm with Alvin Kamara slash Kirk cousins with Dalvin cook that year. They were the one and two. You had McCaffrey a couple years ago with the epitome of average and Teddy Bridgewater. Last year, you had Jonathan Taylor with Carson Wentz, who was an under-average quarterback. Like It's usually an average quarterback that delivers an RB1. And you could argue Matt Ryan is average, but he's absolutely a step up. So for me, Jonathan Taylor is taking a step back. I think that's a good take. Um, Next up, Baker Mayfield to Carolina Panthers for conditional picks happened last week. I'm not even sure if he's going to start. 
he should start because Sam Darnold is horrible. Biggest loser, uh, biggest winner, I should say. Uh, who's the biggest winner in this trade? It's it it's Robbie Anderson, and it's not even close. Um, DJ Moore obviously is a winner. McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, is going to deliver. But Robbie Anderson is going to be draftable where people thought he wouldn't be with Sam Darnold. Um, Robbie Anderson has had an up and down career with Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield, I hate. I hate Baker Mayfield. I do not think he's that talented of a quarterback, but he's a clear upgrade from Sam Darnold and has been able to manage two pass catchers in Cleveland's offense, whether that was Kareem Hart and Odell, his first and second year there. Even Jarvis Landry had a few good weeks. The tight end position was always good. I, th- I think you're going to have no problem delivering with Robbie Anderson. Matt Rule's system actually will be perfect for Robbie this year. Um, his ADP is going to be past 40. I would not be surprised if he finished in the top 40. I think that's a pretty achievable mark for him. I think I'm right with you. I'm going to go with DJ Moore, though. DJ Moore has sneakily had a pretty solid last few years, even with the quarterback situation. He's had over 1,100 yards three straight years in a row, only four touchdowns. I would like to see his touchdown number go up, but last year his receptions actually went up. Uh, His most receptions in his entire career at 93, almost at that 100 mark. That's what you want in a PPO receiver. So I'll say DJ Moore is the biggest benefactor just because he's not playing with Sam Darnold. As for the biggest loser from a fantasy perspective, I guess just Sam Darnold at that point. I mean, he's not he's not gonna he's not draftable. He was streamed a couple weeks last year. But by default in this situation, I'm just gonna say Sam Darnold's the biggest loser. So I think as we get closer to the season and we'll talk about the Cleveland Browns a little bit later on the podcast, um, we, we could talk about that when that comes up, but the they have the biggest question mark in all of football, which is, is Deshaun Watson going to play? And Baker Mayfield was kind of their safety outlet if he was suspended for a long time. So you could, for right now, call all the Cleveland Browns with their question marks the biggest loser of the trade because you don't know what's going to happen this year, and we probably won't up until a few weeks before the season. All right. Carson Wentz went to the Washington Commanders, no longer the football team for conditional picks. Terry McLaurin also just signed, I think it was a four-year contract last week, something like that. Biggest loser and winner. I uh, go with winner first, obviously, in this trade. Logan Thomas. Uh, Carson Wentz, back when he was in Philly, delivered great seasons for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Both of them were playable pretty much every single week when Wentz was there. There's no reason Logan Thomas shouldn't deliver. I know he was out last year with an injury. But it should not be a problem. He should have a phenomenal season with Carson Wentz. I'm going to do a little sneaky one here. Um, I'm trying to pull up the stats at the moment. But I'm going to go with uh, Antonio Gibson. The issue with Gibson last year was not Gibson. The issue with Gibson is Ron Rivera. Did not want to feature Antonio Gibson. However, the receiving stats last year um, with – um, with Carson Wentz uh, on the team. Uh, 40 receptions on 57 targets for Naheem Hines. As for Jonathan Taylor, he had uh, 40 receptions on 51 targets. So that's roughly 100 targets, I want to say, to running backs. I mean, is my math right on that? It's a little bit over 100 targets to running backs. Carson Wentz doesn't have a big arm. Gibson can catch. So I think Gibson is going to get a healthy amount of receptions this year, as long as, uh, as as long as JD McKissick isn't stealing them from him. So I'm hoping if we're featuring Gibson, he's going to be the biggest winner. 
That's up to Ron Rivera. The talent's there. Gibson can catch. Give him more receptions, and Gibson's going to end up being a pretty low-end running back one by the time the season's over. Uh, who's the biggest loser for you here? I mean, I got to go back. I don't want to go back to Jonathan Taylor, but having Carson Wentz be a check down and, you know, be, you know, Jonathan Taylor be the head horse of the, of that offense and now losing the guy that can only rely on him for someone who's a lot more reliable with that can spread the ball. I, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a rougher season than people are anticipating. I, I'm going to call it now. I don't think he finishes inside the top five for running back. You're bailing on your guy from last year. Jeez. He was my guy. I predicted him RB1 at the, before the season started, and it was a, a big reason was because Carson Wentz was going to have to check down to him. Matt Ryan doesn't need to. I'm going to say Terry McLaurin only because, again, by default, like there's nobody else that you're throwing to on this team. I know Logan Thomas is there, but like Curtis Samuel doesn't scare me if I'm a defensive coordinator. I think Terry can get double teamed the whole time. I don't see Wentz throwing deep a lot. His, his receptions were good. I mean, he had 77 receptions on 130 targets last year. This is Terry, 134 targets the year before. But just changing quarterback year after year, just got the monster contract. Last year, his fantasy stats were kind of streaky from week to week. I'm not saying I'm not drafting him. I'm just saying that Carson Wentz as my quarterback isn't really a winner at that point. That's that's a losing situation. I liked having Fitzpatrick there more, because at least Fitzpatrick is going to stuff the stat sheet. Like, Carson Wentz isn't putting up 300 yards where Fitzpatrick can go 300, two touchdowns and five interceptions. But you know what? Terry has 100 yards and a touchdown, so it doesn't matter. All right. Mitchell Trubisky is going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Biggest winner and loser out of this one. Biggest winner is Najee Harris. Not Najee is – Trubisky fits the arc that Big Ben was. It's the short-arm quarterback. It's the safety outlet. That's exactly what it was. Trubisky's just a more mobile – um, younger version. So I, I think Najee Harris, you see, you see a big step up. Um, you, the model for RB one over the last few years has been under the age of 25 av average to under average quarterback um, play and reliability in your system. You being a featured role. Um, I think they have too much talent on the outside for him to deliver the RB one season, but he should absolutely be inside of that top three, top five by the end of the year. I think you nailed it. I don't think I could really say much else there. Um, the other one I'll mention is Pat Fryermuth. I know Mitchell Trubisky is not a rookie quarterback, but when you're going to a new system, look for the tight end. And Fryermuth was really effective last year. I think he's a sneaky sleeper going into this season at the tight end uh, position. As for a loser, I'm not worried about Deontay Johnson because he just eats up targets. I'm worried about Chase Claypool. Last year, receptions down, targets down touchdowns down seven and now you have mitch Trubisky going in there that's a problem to me i feel like deontay johnson is going to eat up the targets and claypool's just going to be another guy i don't see much production coming out of him i don't see him being a fantasy threat i'm avoiding chase claypool this year i have a weird one which is my biggest loser and it's the steelers defense um you're gonna watch Trubisky turn the ball over a lot and you're going to watch them be put into bad field position time after time after time where they're going to be suffering points. They're not going to be, you know, the, the game script's not going to be good um, for them. So I think the defense is going to see not a step back because they're all worldly talented, 
But you could have seen them as a top three, top five defense. I think with Trubisky turning the ball over at the rate that he has over the last few years and his time in Chicago, you're going to see bad field position. And I can't see them finishing as a defense one, defense two, like they have. All right. And one of the biggest and most controversial moves of the offseason, Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns for multiple picks, including, I think, three firsts to the Houston Texans. It's tough. We don't know the situation. So we're going to throw legalities out of it where at the moment he's playing. So let's assume we're, let's assume he's playing for now. Biggest winner and loser for you. If he is playing Amari Cooper, once again, featured wide receiver one, no real threat on the outside with him. Like he had in Dallas, you're going to see a lot of those Raiders weeks. We was delivering 20, 25, 20, 25, 20, 25, consistent, high production, high volume games versus that inconsistent path that he saw in Dallas with so many targets. I think Amari Cooper is a clear winner um, from just getting out of Dallas in general, um, but he, he will be the biggest benefactor. Um, Deshaun Watson put Will Fuller in the top 10. Uh, he put uh, He put DeAndre Hopkins in the top 10. Brandon Cooks was in the top 20 with him. Um, Amari, Amari Cooper is going to deliver if he, if he, if uh, Deshaun Watson's able to play the whole year. I don't have a different one because um, DeAndre Hopkins played two years with Deshaun Watson, 2018, 2019. Hopkins had his best career ever, 1,572 yards, 11 touchdowns, fantasy monster, 115 receptions. The year after that, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, 104 receptions. Like you said, nobody there. Amari Cooper is going to get fed. Um let's just do this real quick. My biggest winner, if he doesn't play, is both Cleveland running backs. They're just going to run the ball like they've been doing for so many years. Jacoby Brissett, I don't think as many tiers below Baker Mayfield. It's going to be a running back showcase. So I think they are the biggest winners if Watson does not play. I, I agree to an extent. I think Kareem Hunt is the bigger winner than um, the Nick Chubb. I think you're going to have to see them pass the ball more. They're in a very tough division. They're going to be playing from behind without Watson. And that's usually where they put Kareem Hunt in because he is the better receiving back of the duo. But I, th- I think both should have fine seasons. As for the biggest loser, again, if Watson is playing, the biggest loser to me, uh, I guess, is the Houston Texans because I don't even know who they're throwing out there at quarterback. You know what, Brandon Cooks. I know last year Cooks didn't have a quarterback either, but it's like in the hypothetical scenario where Watson's playing on the Texans, Brandon Cooks – is, is going to get a lot of targets. Um, the Texans are just losers if Watson ends up somehow beating this case and playing a majority of the games. If he gets suspended for six games, sure, but Watson's still like 26 years old. Like, you traded away a generational talent. I'm not saying you should have kept him legalities, et cetera, but I'm just saying they're probably the biggest loser in this situation. Yep, completely agree. Like, I, I don't want any Texan on my team this year. And if Watson's a Texan, that changes my mindset. All right, we're moving over to wide receivers now. We're going to start off with Amari Cooper. Traded to Cleveland for rounds five and six picks, kind of just a dump salary. Cleveland also lost Jarvis Landry. Who's your biggest winner, Nick? I have mine in here, and I hope you don't steal him. (laughs) I'll give him to you since I had him all the last year. Um, My biggest winner is absolutely CeeDee Lamb. Um, Guaranteed wide receiver one in that offense. Um, You always saw on a weekly basis – Amari Cooper, and you saw um, C.D. Lamb split, alternate, whatever it was. You never really saw weeks where the two of them thrived. 
but you would see weeks where one would fail, the other would thrive. Those are all going into CD Lamb's targets. Gallup will be a fine play as well. He'll have definitely an upgrade. But, I mean, CD Lamb, clear-cut wide receiver one in one of the best offenses in football with a team that forces turnovers, that gives you in scoring position. CD Lamb has a great formula to be a top 10 receiver this year. I'm going to go with Dalton Schultz. And you ready for this one? Dalton Schultz is going to finish this year as a top five or six tight end. I'll give myself that little bit of leeway. I think he could finish in the top five, though. Last two years, the targets have both gone up for Dalton Schultz, 89 and 104. Touchdowns went from four to eight. Now you're taking out Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is starting on the PUP list for the season. There's no second receiver. It's Dalton Schultz. Uh, Dak Prescott likes him in the red zone. He trusts him. It's a safety blanket. It's almost like Tony Romo uh, had Jason Witten up there. I think we found our new quarterback tight end connection. I'm not saying Schultz is Witten. I'm just saying that this is the guy that Dak Prescott's going to be throwing touchdowns to. Dalton Schultz is the biggest winner uh, in this one for me. I would say Cooper, but we don't know Deshaun Watson's situation. If Watson plays, then Cooper's probably the biggest winner. Um, Biggest loser, Nick. Mine's Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak mine, Prescott. You want to take it? It sounds like you're, you're ready for this one because I don't have Yeah, that, mine's Dak. I think Dak, Dak benefited with Amari Cooper. You saw the numbers um, before Dak, before Amari Cooper, after Amari Cooper. I think CeeDee Lamb can fill that role. But once again, Dak needed all those options to succeed in Dallas and to deliver. Um, Fantasy-wise, it's, it's probably not going to happen as frequent. Before the injury two years ago, um, he was averaging 35 fantasy points per game. That was absurd for five, six weeks. And that was because he had Amari Cooper, rookie CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin, uh, um, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. That was eight reliable weapons right there. And he's down to four or five right now. So it's not looking great. My biggest loser is um, the Browns and um and amari cooper because we don't know the watson situation and even if the situation handles itself like there's stuff there like it's it's floating around the entire locker room in the organization so i know i kind of contradict myself because i'm saying that watson's a winner and that he's gonna help win for your team but until the situation is handled to me cooper's the loser of the situation if the situation gets handled then it's a different story but uh, moving on, Devontae Adams, the fantasy wide receiver, won for a majority of the last like three years. Um, he got traded to the Las Vegas Raiders to play with his college quarterback, Derek Carr, traded for two picks. Green Bay drafted Christian Watson at, in the round two. Green Bay also lost Marquise Valdez Scantling. They also drafted Romeo, I don't know how to say his last name, Dubes, <laughs> in round four. Um, Nick, biggest winner in this, uh, in this trade. Mine's Josh Jacobs. In my opinion, Josh Jacobs is finishing as a top 10 running back this season. Um, They are going to get the ball in the end zone. They're going to get the ball downfield. Josh Jacobs is going to get goal line touches, which is where he thrives. Um, Everything is pointing up for the Las Vegas Raiders offense. And of course, the running back is one of the biggest benefactors of that. Josh Jacobs, monster season coming. It's tough to select the biggest winner for me. Because the entire Raiders offense are winners here. You just mentioned Josh Jacobs to me. He's a winner in the situation. 
I, I think all the receivers benefit. I think Hunter Renfro, uh, he finishes the fantasy wide receiver 17 last year. I don't think he's going to finish at 17, but you're talking about a number two option. Look at the Bucks over there. Bruh. Godwin and Evans both finish as top 20 wide receivers every year. Uh, Lockett and DK have had good years at the same time. It's possible if you have two good wide receivers, uh, Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill, I mean, they finish as like the, the number one at their position most years. So I have no problem with Hunter Renfro. Uh, Darren Waller, I know he's like 30 years old now, but again, this is just another uh, DB that's not going to cover him. The they, they can't double Adams, so Adams is a winner. They can't cover Renfro with the corner cornerback one. He's a winner. You have to want, put a safety over to try to help with Adams. Darren Waller's a winner. Josh Jacobs is going to be a bell cow. He's a winner. And Derek Carr is going to be my ultimate winner. Derek Carr is at over 4,000 passing yards in his last four seasons. The touchdown numbers aren't good. Uh, his highest in his career is 28. Last two years, he's at 27, 23. I think Derek Carr gets up to 30 this year because Adams is a touchdown machine. You use uh, Devontae Adams uh, on the goal line, just like the Packers did. I know you can't just create the chemistry that Rodgers and Adams did, but it was almost automatic. But I think the number is going to go up. I think they're all winners in this situation. And the biggest loser is Aaron Rodgers. He's a loser. He loses in the playoffs. He loses with his last dance bullshit. He loses all around. I know he's won the MVPs. I know that he's a celebrity. I know all this. I know he's a great quarterback. He's probably the greatest regular season quarterback of all time outside Peyton Manning. But right now, he's a fantasy loser. I don't want to touch Aaron Rodgers. I don't care who his receivers are because they're right now they don't have uh, like Lazard rookies. You expect me to trust them with Rodgers? I think Rodgers is here for a payday. I don't think he has any urge that he needs to win a championship. I think he won that one in 2011 and he said, this is it. All right, let's just, let's keep playing. He doesn't have the Tom Brady factor. He doesn't have the Peyton Manning factor. He even drew Brees. Like he, the Mahomes factor, Mahomes wants the win. I don't see that from Rodgers. When you lose so many times in the divisional round or in the NFC championship getting spanked by 30 points, I don't see it in him. And I think this is a phone-in year for Rodgers. I don't think he's going to have MVP stats this year. Rodgers is the biggest loser in this situation. I completely agree. Just going to quickly touch on two other losers, in my opinion. It's the Chargers defense and the Broncos defense. You knew you could trust them. Uh, you knew they would struggle against Kansas City and each other. Um, but having four stacked offenses in one division, um, it, it's really it's really tough knowing that you're going to have 11 games against easier teams, you hope, um, but your division is going to be guaranteed six difficult offenses. Definitely all four of them are ranked within the top 10 in the NFL now, so it's going to be tough for you to take those defenses and know every other week or once every three weeks you're playing one of those division games where you have to bench them. So it's a tough defensive matchup for fantasy. All right, Tyreek Hill traded to the Miami Dolphins for multiple picks. Kansas City signed Juju Smith-Schuster, and Kansas City also drafted Sky Moore in round two. Who's the biggest winner in this one, Nick? It's not the Jets. It's not the Jets who 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 could have <laughs> traded, could have just said. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your Jets didn't get any wide receiver. Oh, Nick, no. Nick's, Nick's going to owe me a 4 for 4 when I go home in August. Yeah, yeah. We, we made a bet on whether I was getting a receiver this year. I didn't get one. Anyway. Biggest winner, Tua. Tua's got options there. Jasicki, Waddle, and uh, and Tyreek, three good weapons. Tua will be startable in fantasy games this year. 
He's been kind of streaky, and he gets a bad rap because if you compare him to his class, it's Justin Herbert, who looks like a top-five quarterback, and Joe Burrow, who just went to a Super Bowl. If you compare him to last year's class, you could very much argue that Tua is the most talented of the quarterbacks that were drafted last year based on his stats alone. Um, Tua has an, a, the opportunity to thrive this year. It will be tough given that they have six defensive mind or six defensive minded games against those three division head coaches, Sala, Belichick, and uh, and against Buffalo. But two is going to deliver a good fantasy season. He's going to have good weeks. He's going to have top five finishing weeks, which is something you wouldn't have said without Tyree Kildare. This is a tough one for me because there's two I really like. I really like Waddle. I, I think Waddle really does benefit from this. Um, but I'm going to go with Juju because somebody has to get the ball now besides Travis Kelsey over here. And, and he had a down year last year. Uh, I think he was he was actually hurt last year. Didn't he tear his ACL or something? He, he got hurt in like week three, I want to say. Um, year before that, 97 receptions, 831 yards, nine touchdowns. Mahomes has to throw to somebody here besides Travis Kelsey and Juju's talent. Don't get me wrong. He could, he could sprint down the field. He could get a lot of receptions. He can, and he could do his TikTok dances. Him and Jackson can do some TikTok dances together as he's scoring touchdowns. I think he's going to be the biggest winner out of this trade. The biggest loser out of this trade is my dynasty team that now has Tyree kill on it. <laughs> um, I actually think Tyreek's the biggest loser. Uh, I didn't want to say Tyreek. Um, Patrick Mahomes to me is the biggest loser in this trade because as good as Juju is, as I just said, you got to throw him the ball. You're right, but Juju is not Tyreek Hill. You can't just go, ah, fuck it, Juju's down there. That's, no, that's the Tyreek Hill play. That's the fuck it Tyreek play when you launch it 50 yards. You can't do that with Juju because he's not as talented as Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have the speed that Tyreek Hill has. He doesn't have the quickness that Tyreek Hill has. Uh, we saw a little bit of regression, it looked like, from Mahomes last year. And I'm not saying that he regressed a lot. He was still a top three quarterback. But it looked like with that first half of the season, that defense has kind of figured him out. Um, I'm not saying he's going to throw a bunch of picks. I'm not saying that he's going to have a bad season. Mahomes is still going to be a top three quarterback. But when you lose that guy, and when Travis Kelsey's 31 years old, the Chiefs' window is slowly closing, and the Mahomes' window here is it's closing a little bit. So uh, that's why Mahomes is going to be the biggest loser for me. You're losing your number one receiver who you have instant chemistry with. Uh, same thing as Rodgers, but Mahomes has weapons. So that's why I'm saying Mahomes is still a top-five fantasy quarterback, where Rodgers is he's out of here. My biggest loser, um, I agree Mahomes definitely takes the hit. Um, but it's Tyree kill. I almost you said Tyreek and I did, and I did some happy. It is. Tyreke. It's Tyree kill in specifically standard leagues because he has to be a PPR machine. He's going to need that Michael Thomas type production where it was 10 yard catch, 10 yard catch, 10 yard catch, but that doesn't make it in standard scoring leagues and PPR leagues. He will be a machine. He is going to get a hundred plus catches this year. Absolutely no question in my mind. If he stays healthy, that's his number. Easily getting 100. But if you're in standard scoring leagues, Tyreek's not going to get those breakaway 50-yard touchdowns. We all saw the clip of Tua underthrowing him, and that was the highlight clip on a 50-yard pass. Tyreek even said in, a, said in an interview this, this past week, I know he was hyping him up over Mahomes, but he said word for word, Tua has to prove it this year. And he has to prove it 
that he could throw the ball further than 40, 50 yards. And that's where Tyreek Hill made or or won you fantasy weeks individually. He's not going to be able to do that this year. So Tyreek Hill, he was drafted as a, as a wide receiver too, only behind Devontae this year. He's going to be a fringe top 10 wide receiver. And in standard scoring leagues, he probably won't be able to break the top 10. Yep. Alrighty, AJ Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles, a blockbuster on draft night for rounds one and three picks. Um, Tennessee drafted Traylon Burks. I think that was in the first round and Robert Woods also mm-hmm. went to the Titans, but he won't be playing for, I think the first six weeks with a ACL or Achilles injury. I forget which one it was. Um, Nick, your biggest winner in this trade. Uh, it's, it's Jalen hurts. I know you want to talk about him as well. I actually don't. I have a different one, but hurts is definitely okay. a winner. I have a, I have a different winner though. Jalen hurts has not thrown in his entire career more than 150 yards to receivers in an individual game. (laughs) That's ridiculous to think about. And now you add A.J. Brown, who can easily go for 150 yards as a receiver by himself, excluding his other options. Jalen Hurts, you've seen the improvement over the last two, three years. You're going to see a big step up from Jalen Hurts. Um, Like I said about Tua, it's kind of prove-it-or-lose-it season. Jalen Hurts has the same exact thing, and – a lot of people are riding high on the Eagles and their ability to go win this division. I've seen nothing but Eagles hype from the players, yep. the media. Everybody's everybody is all in on the Eagles this year. All in. I don't think it's going to last, but we'll see. <laughs> and most of it is going to come down to AJ Brown's production on the outside with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts will deliver with that high upside of rushing. They don't have too many running backs that deliver on a weekly basis. AJ Brown is a huge addition for him. Jalen Hurts now has the ability to do what Lamar did when he had uh, Andrews and Marquise Brown delivering. And now he has AJ Brown instead, who's a clear upgrade over Marquise Brown. Jalen Hurts, you could see an MVP type season from. I'm not saying he's going to deliver that, but he has that upside now with AJ Brown on the outside. Jalen Hurts was everybody's sleeper quarterback last year and he lived up to it. I think he was drafted in rounds 10 or something like that. And he was, he, out out you know projected his projection so or outproduced his projection i should say mm-hmm. uh, but my biggest winner is going to be Devonte smith in his first year in the league 64 receptions on 104 targets love that number five touchdowns and 916 yards that's just in his rookie season and now he's not facing the number one corners you have to double team aj brown at that certain times he's a freak he's physique he's he can do everything he's an absolute freak and now you have Devonte smith who's going to be taking the number two corner He's ADP is in rounds like seven and eight right now. Um, again, everybody that's playing in a league with me, plug your ears. I want Devontae Smith in every single league this year um, because I think he's going to have a thousand yards. I think he'll have, he had 64 receptions. I think he's going to have 80 receptions, at least five touchdowns. I think he's right around there, five to eight touchdowns this year. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that you get in the later rounds that really should be drafted uh, higher as a wide receiver, two or three option in fantasy. My biggest loser is definitely Ryan Tannehill. And I was very high on Tannehill last year. He was almost a guy I was waiting to sleep on because in 2020, 3,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Great. Phenomenal. Last year, 3,700 yards. Good number. 21 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. Now he loses his number one wide receiver, a top 10 receiver in the, in the league, arguably. 
Now he has to build chemistry with Robert Woods, who I think is a fine receiver, but coming off the injury and won't play for the first few weeks. You're dealing with rookies. Like, this is the Derrick Henry show again. Tannehill's the biggest loser in the NFL for the Titans of, of this trade and in fantasy. He's, he's, he's not draftable. Unless you're in a league where you're playing two quarterbacks a week, you may have to draft them as a backup, but he's not draftable now. I'd rather have Jameis Winston. Because I think Winston could throw for 4,000 yards and like 20, uh, 20 30 touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think Tannehill could do that. I'll take Jameis Winston over him. So uh, I even like Baker's situation more. I might consider if Baker starts and if they go all in on Baker, I think I'd rather have Baker than Tannehill this year. Maybe maybe even Carson Wentz. Like I, I, the list can go on. I don't want Tannehill this year. I 100% agree with you, but my biggest loser is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, there's no reason that any defense playing up against the Titans should not have eight to nine to ten people in the box to stop Derrick Henry. It would be like a Madden game between me and you. Exactly. It's literally going to be just run the ball with Derrick Henry. That's all they can do. And you're going to need eight people in the box, nine people in the box. So he's going to be stopped. He's going to take a lot of hits. Derrick Henry is going, and I hate to say this because I don't wish ill on health, on anyone he's going to take too many hits this year from too many players it's going to be a rough season you will watch him miss time he is now 27 years old no running back over the age of 27 has delivered a top six fantasy season over the last five years it's it's a big hit to have no weapon Traylon burks needs to be as productive as justin jefferson or jamar chase in their rookie year for derrick henry to see that level of production all right, we have a last trade, uh, a new acquisition, Acquisition, I should say. Marquise Brown, who was rumored in the offseason to go play Fortnite as a career, which that was a hilarious news story that appeared for like two days, uh, traded to the Arizona Cardinals for a first-round pick. Hopkins has suspended six games. Christian Kirk went to Jacksonville for a monster contract, a hilariously monster contract for Christian Kirk. Um, just hilarious. Like I can't get over. Like the first big signing that was made was Christian Kirk, and then all these trades happened. So there you go. Uh, Nick, biggest winner from this trade, Rashad Bateman. It's his time to shine in that Ravens offense. Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman. That's Lamar's weapons, along with his running game. You know, and having Harbaugh as a coach, but. Clear wide receiver one there. Rashad Bateman showed immense talent last year. He's going to have a a upgraded season from last year. He was hurt for some time. Rashad Bateman's going to be a very, very reliable receiver in that offense. He's going to deliver on ADP. He should have no problem finishing in the top 36 as a wide receiver with the upside of finishing within the top 12. So with that kind of floor, with that kind of ceiling, it's the exact kind of player you want in your fantasy draft. I think all of the Ravens um, weapons are winners. I think Andrews, Bateman, and J.K. Dobbins and the running backs are all winners because there's going to be more production there. But I'm just going to say for Kyler Murray, uh, the Raven, uh, the Cardinals made the playoffs last year and they got uh, they got spanked by the Rams, I think. Didn't they get obliterated by the Rams in round one? Yeah. I think it's pretty bad. Um I, I think Kyler and uh, Cliff Kingsbury there, I think they have one more season to kind of really – prove if they're just going to be pretenders or contenders and it seemed like the second half of the season they kind of fell out of the content that contender spot marquis brown is much younger than hopkins i think by like five years um he played with uh he played with kyler in college so they're reuniting just like uh 
couple other guys are really like Carr and um, and Devontae Adams. So um, I think Marquise Brown, with, with, with all his time in the offseason, playing with Kyler, having that chemistry, he's going to get the first six games. I think that's a guy that maybe was drafted around five or six if he was on the, the Ravens. I think you could make an argument he's going around three or four. Because you know what? If those first six, six games happen, right, and he has like 500 yards, four or five touchdowns already, like Hopkins ain't the number one anymore. I don't care what his name is. I don't care what he's done. Like – at that point, the chemistry's there, like, like like Cooper Cup last year. I'm not saying that Marquise Brown's gonna have a Cooper Cup year, but it, it could happen. So I, I think Marquise Brown's a big winner in this one. Uh, as for losers, I think that Lamar Jackson's a big loser in this one. You're losing your number one target, you're losing a guy that you've thrown a lot of touchdowns to, a lot of receptions, um, and now you're losing him. And, and Lamar can't run around in circles forever. I love him. I'm a Lamar guy, but at some point he's probably going to have to stay in the pocket and throw. And when you're losing your number one weapon, now you have to build more chemistry with Bateman. Um, and Mark Andrews is phenomenal. I love Mark Andrews, but he's probably going to get overdrafted this year. I, I did a mock two days ago. Andrews is four picks behind Kelsey. So, wow. yeah. So there you go. That's ridiculous. Yep. My biggest loser is every single weapon in Arizona. Last year you saw the inconsistency You've never watched DeAndre Hopkins not put up wide receiver one numbers, and you watched it last year. They have a plethora of talent, which benefits Kyler Murray, like you said. Um, James Conner, very good running back. A.J. Green was there. I don't remember if he's still there. I know they lost Kirk. They bring in Brown. They still have um, the so Rondell his, Moore. Rondell Moore. They still have him. They, they're they going to get D-Hop six weeks back. It's going to be – the rotating wide receiver to there, and you don't know which one's going to deliver every week. We called Rondell more early last year, emerging from that offense. Then you watch them do a blast from the past from A.J. Green. Cliff Kingsbury is one of the most unpredictable coaches, for better or for worse, in the NFL, and I don't see too many trustable options on that outside week to week. Um, so for me, I'm avoiding Arizona players not named Kyler Murray this year. And, and James Conner at, at the right ADB. All right. Before we get out of here, we're going to give you our favorite and least favorite move from our personal fantasy perspective. Maybe it's a guy you want to draft. Maybe it's a guy you're high on. I want to give the floor to you, Nick. What's your favorite move uh, of the offseason? It's not in real life. You're going to hate me for saying it. I hate that this happened because I love this player, but it is definitely Russell Wilson going to Denver. There is a plethora of weapons there. For <sighs> Russell Wilson, it's time to actually let Russ cook. Good options, good coach, good running backs, good receivers. He's got everything he can need to succeed, and every weapon there should thrive with him as quarterback. Every player below Tim Patrick is not draftable. Tim Bratrick, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, and of course, Russell Wilson should all have good fantasy seasons this year. I really like the Matt Ryan move because of Michael Pittman. If I have Pittman on my dynasty team, this might be my favorite one. But I'm going to go with Devontae Adams to Vegas, and here's why. First off, I want to target Derek Carr in a lot of leagues now. I know he doesn't have the rushing upside, but he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns, I think. I think it's a big sink or swim year for Carr, um, and I think it's a year that you could potentially see him get to that next level. 
I also like that I can now draft every Raider comfortably. I want to target Josh Jacobs. I want to target Renfro. I want to target anybody from this offense. I want a Raider on my fantasy football team this year. And I'm not going to be upset if I just get one. I'll be upset if I get none on any of my teams. I want a Raider on every single one of my fantasy teams, and I have like five options now. Lastly, I like the move because Devontae Adams can now be drafted at pick eight, nine, or ten. People are downgrading him. I'm not downgrading him. I'll take Devontae Adams comfortably as my wide receiver too. I'll take him over any receiver not named Cooper Cup, and I'm going to stick to that one. Uh, least favorite move, Nick. I'll let you go first. I I hate the um, uh, what's it called? I'm sorry, just lost lost in my head. Um, I'll take it from you then. Yeah, I hate ahead. this move. I hate it. 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 I fucking hate it. I, I can't like, like, this is all I'm going to see in my entire life now. I cannot wear a Seahawks jersey this this season because they're going to be abysmal. I'm not getting Sunday ticket for the first time. I know I'm biased with this. I hate it. I hate this move so much. I'll put the personal bias aside for a minute. Now I can't even touch DK Metcalf in drafts. I don't want to touch it. I know I said the running back's going to be winners, but that's a future winner. That's not a now winner. That's not a sure thing winner. Like Carson... If he was healthy, he was draftable in rounds three to five. Tyler Lockett was very draftable. Russell Wilson was draftable. Like He's still draftable, but it's like you knew what you were getting from Russell Wilson every year. And now he's new situation. Do I think he's going to flourish? I do. But what if he doesn't? What if Russell Wilson does not play well in Denver? He was playing well in Seattle. Whether you want to say it or not, he was playing well. I hate it from a fantasy perspective. I know he's, it's going to be good for Denver, but like you said, uh, Judy and Sutton are not as good as Lockett and Metcalf. So what if Judy and Sutton, what if the issue isn't that they didn't have the quarterback? What if the issue is the talent? What if, something's going to have to give here. Because if the issue is the talent, then Lockett and Metcalf are going to be wasted now. Their talent is wasted with Drew Lock or Geno Smith. Now, personal aside, I can't enjoy my football Sundays if my fantasy team doesn't win. And I'm going to be miserable watching my football team for many, 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 many years. And now I hate my coach. I want my coach gone. I want him gone. Put him in a trash bag. All right, your biggest loser. Uh, My least favorite move, um, it's what the Browns did, um, regardless of off-the-field stuff. The the On-the-field, Baker Mayfield was always a big question mark. That running game was always a big question mark. What receiver would thrive was a big question mark. And now you have the biggest question mark in football, which is, is Deshaun Watson going to see a suspension? And how long will that suspension be? Will you watch him get banned from football? Will you watch um, the Cleveland Browns be able to succeed in their offense with Jacoby Brissett behind quarterback? It's one of the biggest question marks in football for a very questionable franchise. Um, I hated the move personally for fantasy because you don't know what you're getting and you are going to either watch those players that you loved for years in that backfield ruin you because you're going to pass on them and they're going to deliver, or you are going to take them and they won't deliver. There's like no happy medium. Their ADP is a question mark right now. It's no go- you're going to watch I don't want to cut you off, but there's no happy medium unless you're drafting on like September 7th. Exactly. You need to draft late to know what's going on with this situation. And even if you do want the players you, there's so, there's too many question marks. You don't know what you're getting out of that offense. You could see Nick Chubb finish as a top five running back 
and not be surprised. You could see him finish as a RB20 and not be surprised. And for a guy you're drafting right at the end of the first round, it's it's too mind-boggling. It's hard to wrap your head around as an analyst, as someone that wants to succeed in your leagues. So for me, it's it's too many question marks about a team and a franchise which historically has sucked. So for me, not touching it. Don't want to be involved with that Cleveland Browns team this year. I should also mention I named my dog Russ, and he's got a Seahawks collar. And I'm pretty sure when I was going on a rant, he, I, I saw him look at me. I thought I think he may have thought I was yelling at him, and I feel bad about that. Um, yeah, that's it's not not the best name choice now looking back at it. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys, that was our show for this week. Um, we're going to do one or two shows a week. We're, we're definitely going to put out another one next Monday. That's when we'll, uh, we'll drop that one at least. Um, until we start ramping up more shows, we might do a little bit longer like we did today, but once the season starts, it's going to be 20, 25 minutes uh, every single day. We'll bang that out. And, uh, you know, with, when the offseason, when we get closer to August, we'll start phasing that one in rather one show a week. We'll start doing two, three, and then we'll get into the NFL season. Um, if you do want to find us, and please do, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you could find a podcast, the Primetime Fantasy Podcast is there. Please like, rate, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. We'd really appreciate all of that. If you want to watch us, we're on YouTube, Primetime Fantasy Podcast. Again, please subscribe, like, all that other stuff. If you want to interact with us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Primetime FF Pod, Facebook, Primetime Fantasy Podcast. Thank you all for listening or watching. We'll see you guys next week. Let's crush this draft season. Let's crush it with the Primetime Fantasy Podcast.